You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for July 19th, 2020, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Justin Crisp. It's based on Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, and 36 through 43. Good morning. I am delighted to be back with you after a, a break here to, uh, to work on my dissertation and uh, to have a little bit of summer vacation. And I have some news I'm excited to share with all of you, which is that Jewel and I got a dog, a puppy, really. Dog is not quite the right word for it. She's an 11-week-old pug named Valkyrie after the opera by Wagner because I am nothing if not on brand at all times. And I'm telling you, little Valkyrie is already the love of our lives. I totally didn't expect it. As many of you know, my sister Olivia is a veterinarian who now works in mixed small and large animal practice in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota. And when we were growing up, Olivia accumulated a veritable menagerie of animals. At its height, we had something like two dogs, three horses, two birds, a hamster, three cats, a fish, and six chickens, all at the same time. And I only counted one of these critters really to be mine. The rest were Olivia's. My beagle was mine or really my succession of beagles named Clifford, about whom I've preached before. As we dutifully prepared to go pick up Valkyrie, I had pretty much convinced myself that given all my experience with Olivia's menagerie, I knew what I was getting myself into. I'm a pretty serious person, I convinced myself, concerned with the new line items in our family budget having to do with the dog's vet bills and food costs and treats and so on. But I was not one of those people. No offense, I said. Even if Jewel might be one in the making. I'm not. I was excited about getting a pet, sure, I was really excited about Jewel being excited about getting a pet, but I, I have to say, I did not anticipate what was coming. I'd quite simply forgotten what it was like. Within five minutes of having picked Val up from the breeder in Pennsylvania, we were puttering down the road in Jewel's little red car, this little roll of wrinkles and fur was bundled up on top of her. And I looked at Jewel and I said, Jewel, I feel such things for this dog. I think I was trying to say that I loved this dog, but I couldn't even get that out of my mouth. I was like, Jewel, I feel such things for this dog. The next few days were truly hysterical, especially for my extended family. Uh, we've been trying to potty train this little animal, which I have to say is pretty interesting at 11 weeks old. Jewel's been trying to get the dog to ring a little bell that hangs on the door whenever she needs to go out. And shocker, Valkyrie actually started doing it. I was FaceTiming with my parents and my sister one night when she did. She went up, bumped the little bell, 
Joel took her outside. She came back and success and totally earnest. I looked right into the video camera and said, my dog is gifted. So much for not being one of those people, right? My dog is gifted. And I didn't think my mother would ever stop laughing. The true tests, I'm sure, are yet to come, but we came awfully close to DEFCON 1 two days ago. When Valkyrie snuck through the bars of the baby gate, I thought I'd very cleverly set up to keep her only in our den, as if, and Valkyrie waltzed into the living room and left a little gift for us on the white rug next to my favorite chair. And those of you who have been to the cottage for something related to the parish know how I feel about my favorite chair. To my amazement, I shrugged it off. I didn't mind. Who could expect an 11-week-old puppy to do anything different? Some people might call that growth, but living inside of my head, I call it a miracle. And I have to say, the whole thing has me thinking a lot about love. Because we have a gospel lesson this morning that if read without love can sound awfully severe, even downright scary. Jesus, in this passage, is continuing a series of agricultural parables, one of which the profligate sower, Reverend Elizabeth, so beautifully explained to us last week. This time, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a field of wheat in which some rival farmer has secretly sown some weeds, known in other English translations from the one that I just read as tares. Okay, this is the parable of the, the wheat and the tares. And this Eloise Kilifer shared with me the last time I preached on this parable, tares are not just any old weed, but specifically the species, let me see if I can get this right, Lolium timulentum. Sorry, Eloise, messed that up. That's as good as it gets. It's a particular, okay, it's a particular species of weed whose grains are the spitting image of grains of wheat until it has fully matured. And that's the point of the parable as Jesus presents it. The workers come in one morning from the field to inform their boss that tares were growing up alongside the wheat. And they ask their boss whether they should go right then and pluck them up before the weeds get too out of hand. But the owner says no. For in gathering the weeds and gathering the tares, you would uproot the wheat along with them. At harvest, when they are both fully grown and the one can be told more easily from the other, then, the boss says, I will tell the reapers to collect the tares first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The disciples then ask Jesus, who is who here? And Jesus describes the parable as a retelling of the whole drama of redemption. The farmer's stunning reply, an enemy has done this, taking on new gravity. 
as the camera lens, as it were, zooms out to show a world riddled with sin and suffering, with earthquakes and genocides and cancers, bullies and injustice, heartbreak and death. Yet right alongside all of these dwell love and faithfulness and incandescent sunsets and lobster rolls and laughter, love songs and butterflies, forgiveness and friendship. And God, I think, knows that these two sorts of things exist in the very same people, at least. That is, that they both exist in us. And he cannot possibly bear losing the one with the other. Even if it would fulfill his desire and ours just to fix it. In some mysterious way, which is beyond our comprehension, something rides on the world, on our growing up, like the wheat and the tares needed to, before God can work his sickle and separate the one from the other without tearing both of them up. Jesus says the tares represent two things, causes of sin and evildoers. And when I was growing up, I most often heard this parable spoke of with the latter in mind, with the evildoers in mind. I was told that there was a population of people destined for the furnace of fire, and we'd better be sure we weren't among them. I tended since then, prompted by the writings of many of the early church fathers, to focus on that more impersonal causes of sin identification that Jesus makes here, thinking, as does the church father Gregory of Nyssa, for example, that the truth of this parable is that there are wheat and tares in every one of us. But even if one zeroes in on the evildoers that Jesus admittedly names here, it's crucial that we remember this, that the whole point of the parable is the farmer's patience. It's critical plot twist, the fact that he slows his workers' haste to fix it in order to give his field the time it needs to grow into maturity so that any bad in it can be separated from the good without risking any of the good being destroyed in the process. And this kind of meticulous and perfect transformation of our world, I think Jesus implies, can only be accomplished by God. And God is going to wait until the end, until the very last moment. That is, until the whole thing is absolutely ready for what the Gospels call the fullness of time in order to do so. And God's doing so is made even more forbidding, closed even more so off from human speculation 
our guesswork about who's in and who's out. Because as St. Augustine observed in a sermon he gave on this gospel, Christianity is premised on the conviction not just that the world is made up of wheat as well as tares, but that tares can by grace actually become wheat. And let me ask you this, if I, an anxious, anal, materialistic, sinful man, can muster enough love to be patient with my puppy after it debased my favorite room beside my favorite chair. What kind of patience, what kind of love must God be capable of? Amen. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.